Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. darkness. 
do do any of us when we read the word of God, do we stop and think and ask God these kind of questions and say, God, you said this, then why am I experiencing this? Did Jesus really deliver me? When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, was I really delivered from? And God going to say yes. And going to say, but then why am I experiencing this? He will answer us, but we don't ask questions. We we don't really investigate. We just, then we, we say, okay, well, maybe I, I'm not operating by faith. And I don't want to ask nobody because I don't want people to think that I'm negative. Do you see the manipulation of Satan to, to, to keep God's people incarcerated and bound? And we just go to church, singing songs of praise, singing songs of worship, hearing to the word, listen to the word, and, 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 and we'll see a move of God. People may get healed here. Somebody may get delivered there. And we satisfied. And we leave there not fulfilled, even though there's a move of God, but a personal, am I personally experiencing the liberation, the emancipation, vindication of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do you stop and think, and, and, and I listen to people, I even, even some of my colleagues, man, did we not have a powerful move of God Sunday? Then next week, how's it that man? I'm, I'm telling you, man, I don't know about about these folks. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm tired of them. Uh, uh, um, you know, if God don't do something, I'm I'm, I'm going to do something. Wait, you just told me you had a powerful service. You just told me that there was a great move of God. Then what do we call a great move of God? I know what we call a great move of God these days. We call because there was uh, uh, the people were shouting, the people was praising, the people were dancing, the people were running, the people was it was the people was ecstatic. But was it a move of God? In the midst of all of that, was anybody free from oppression, depression? Did we? Did you, when you left church, did you get when you got in your car, go back home? Did that liberty carry you throughout the week? Did the liberty that you experienced, you say that there was a move of God, did it carry you throughout the week? If there was a move of God, what happened to you personally? What did you experience personally? And I know these questions is in the hearts of believers. Frustrated, aggravated, but you still go to church. You pay your tithes. You give your offering. You give your first fruits. Uh, uh, you go to the service. You're faithful. You're loyal. You're dedicated. Uh, you uh, you may uh, be a musician. You may be a usher. You may be a uh, work in the audiovisual ministry. You may work in the nursery, children's ministry, uh, men's ministry, women's ministry. You 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 operate ministry and you still oppressed. And depressed. And still, we're experiencing chaos in our marriages, chaos with our children, chaos on the job. But I just experienced a move of God. Then, what was the purpose of the move of God? 
is the church designed for you to experience a move of God, what we call a move of God? Usually, lots of what we call a move of God is really not a move of God. Because it's the stirring of our emotions that we call a move of God. And once the musicians stop playing, the praise team or choir, whoever, stop singing, you leave the place after the word of the Lord, then what? When you left there, was your faith solidified in Christ Jesus? Was your faith stronger in Christ when you left the church before it was when you went to church? Did you encounter the Lord Jesus Christ that calls you to move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, that calls your faith to be so strong that when you come home in the midst of, of a chaotic situation, you open up your mouth and say, peace, be still by faith, and everybody in the household comes subject. That when you went in the house and you said, not today in the name of Jesus, then demons fled your household. Or do you leave a Holy Spirit-filled service that you called and went back and came, went in your household and you became oppressed again? Don't you think something is wrong with this picture, man of God, woman of God? Sons and daughters of the Most High God. Is there something that's wrong with this? Let's look at some things tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I believe the word of God. But we need to learn, <coughs> excuse me, know how to deal with things and why things happen. You ever, ever uh, 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 begin to experience certain attacks and what's the first thing that you do? Oh, I must have sinned. I've been there many times. Oh, well, I, I must have sinned. Oh, God, what did I do? God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. And many times it's not so much you sin. Many times it's because you are attempting to do the right thing. Even the scripture tells us those that live godly will suffer persecution. So why do we get surprised when persecution comes as a result of doing the right thing? How is it that we don't learn from the word of the Lord? Now, what I mean by that, that, that one of your best friends is going through hell, and you are not going through hell, first thing into your mind, they must have sinned, like Job 3, friends. It's no way in the world that this can be God. How is it that we do not have a spiritual mindset concerning everything that goes on in our life? Something has happened to cause us not to be more spiritually in tune and inclined and discerning. The majority of us at this present time, because of a lack of discernment, the majority of us can be tricked and manipulated by Satan. Because Satan will never come as Satan. Never come as Satan. He's going to always come as an angel of light. He's always going to come as a man of love, a man of peace, a man of joy, a man of wisdom, a man of compassion. He's always going to come as a great giver, 
He's going to always come as someone that's really concerned. That, and I see the manipulation of that because what, what I've seen is this right here. We love flatteries. We Very few people have true friendships in the body of Christ. Very few people have true friend, friend, friendships. Excuse me. When they talk about love, a true friend loveth at all times. A true friend will not flatter you. A true friend will not compromise with you. They will not compromise the, their relationship with God with you. How many people have true friends that will tell you the truth? They're more concerned about your destiny, your soul, your progress, <coughs> excuse me, your destiny in God than your feelings and your emotions. I heard a preacher say something one time that stuck with me. He said, if you, only, if you only hang around people that are satisfied with you, then you're not going anywhere in life. But that's the very thing. That's, the, that's usually what happens. If you only hang around people that are satisfied with you, you're not going anywhere in life. But if you ever put yourself in a relationship with someone that is dissatisfied with you, they're going to always provoke you to do better and grow better. Go higher in God. How many people do that? Jesus never made it comfortable for the disciples. He was correcting them all the time. Oh, you little faith. Oh, you little faith. Oh, you little faith. Oh, you little faith. For three and a half years, do you think they have said, man, when are we going to get this thing right? Then how many ever read in the Bible when the disciple came to Jesus said, Jesus, why don't you encourage us? You, why don't you speak a positive word to me? you always warning us about the strides and the Pharisees. I never heard you say, man, you guys, y'all doing well. When they came back, he gave them an assignment to go cast out demons and to lay hands on the sick, to preach the gospel of the kingdom. The very thing he did, he gave them an assignment to go do that. When they came back, he never gave them a compliment. Why did he give them a compliment? Why would Jesus give them a compliment of doing something that they're they supposed to be doing? That's your job. You are to do it as unto the Lord. You are to do it as unto the Lord God who sent me to you to train you, to raise you up. You do it as unto the Father. Good master, good master, why callest thou me good? There's only one good, that's the Father which is in heaven. The manipulation of the powers of darkness, ladies and gentlemen, started from the time that or even before you was conceived in your mother's womb. I did a message years ago, years ago, years ago, and you do a lot of teaching on spiritual warfare, uh, demons on assignment from the delivery room to the graveyard. And in that particular message, we begin to share principles that the moment, really I say the moment a child is born, but the moment a woman is conceived, demonic forces has already been assigned to manipulate the childbirth. 
to manipulate that child coming into the earth realm. A demon has been assigned to that child just like an angel has been assigned to that child. Jesus talked about their angel, the children's angels. Everybody have an angel. Just like everybody have an angel, everybody got demons assigned to them. We're living in a wicked world, ladies and gentlemen. Even the Lord said that this whole world lieth in darkness. It lieth in darkness. The Bible calls, says that we're supposed to be the light of the world. Do Satan know that? Absolutely. So what is the goal? To put our light out. Let me put their light out. Since they God say they are the light of the world, since they God say they are the salt of the earth, let me cause their salt to lose its uh, ability uh, to preserve. Let me cause their light to be quenched. Now, I want you to hear the Holy Spirit today, because usually every time I minister on something this on this wise, especially in panorama, uh, people begin to focus more on demons than, than uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who defeated the demons. The purpose is never get you get your attention on the demon. The purpose is to get you to understand the manipulation of demons. <clears throat> so you don't be manipulated and tricked. You don't be deceived. Satan's greatest weapon is deception. Now you tell me one person you know has never been deceived. I don't know any. It's not a man alive on this planet. I don't I don't it may be, I don't I haven't met him. They have never been tricked before or deceived before, one time or another. You and I are no match to Satan. But that, we, don't, we, we shouldn't care about that because uh, we are born again of the Spirit of God. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who conquered Satan, who conquered principalities and powers, who conquered, conquered the works of the darkness, the works of the devil. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have him. So my focus is not the devil. My focus is him. But I'm not to be ignorant of the devil. He's a manipulator. But why in the world, tell me, how, how in the world do you think? Let's look at some scriptures tonight because I want to share some principles with you. A lot of people, uh, 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 ministers, pastors, leaders, don't believe in satanic and demonic manipulation. And we try to, you know, cute it up and, and say good uh, certain terms. All we got to do is look at our lives. We don't have to go far. Look at our own lives. Look at the people in your church. Look at the people in your family. Then we should know something is wrong if we don't see a consistent manifestation of love. Peace, joy, self-control, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness. If we don't see any consistency, then we got to know something is wrong. Something is wrong, ladies and gentlemen. But 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 we we passively just continue to go on and just continue to go on and continue to go on and continue to go on and continue to go on, knowing something wrong. But that has become the standard in the church. Something is wrong. But the wrong has become the standard. And we're satisfied. We're satisfied with what we're experiencing. 
because there's how many people we're in relationship with that is provoking us. Their very life is provoking us. Their very presence is provoking us. And this is another deadly thing that I've seen in the church, and even with people close to me, this is this is probably one of the biggest deceptions. People really think they're going to make it with God because you're in relationship with a preacher. The greater judgment is going to be on you. Any of you all that's close to your pastor, if your pastor uh, 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 is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you think that you you can live a different kind of life than your pastor, and think you everything will be all right, and you hide it behind your relationship with your pastor, the greater judgment is on you. I see that a lot. But that reveals something, that there is no reverence to fear God. And that means that your relationship with your leader have not provoked you. And so you hide behind that, and people is deceived by your relationship with your leader. And so people believe that you are spiritual because you're close to your leader. Joab, David's uncle, was the captain of his army. He served uh, served David faithfully. All the time they was running in the wilderness until the end. Until the end. He started out well, but he, he didn't end well. And before David died, he said, make sure you deal with Joab for the things that he done to me. And he ended up dying. Tragic. A mighty warrior. Served David well. Fierce, just like David. But his relationship with David, did, did his relationship with David and David's relationship with his God affect Joab? Well, he became a mighty warrior like David, but did he become a mighty man of God like David? Are you seeing the difference, ladies and gentlemen? We cannot be ignorant of the manipulation of the powers of darkness. Satan thinks like God. And when I mean by think like God, God thinks generationally. Satan don't think individually. Satan thinks generationally, and Satan thinks from a, a, a global perspective, a national perspective, not an individual. Very few individuals ever get Satan's attention. You're a peon. But when you become a mover and a shaker globally, you get his attention. When you're affecting people's lives globally, you get his attention. When people are getting set free globally, oh, it's on. Are you, are you hearing the spirit of God tonight? Now, I want to share some principles with you that we, we cannot be ignorant concerning how the enemy manipulates. Now, 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 let's go to the book of John, chapter 3. I'm going to just quote a scripture. That's not the scripture I'm going to go to, but the Bible says in John, chapter 3, that which is born of flesh is flesh and death, which is born of spirit is spirit. He's talking to Nicodemus. That he was a doctor of the law. He was one of the leaders of, of, the, of, of the nation of Israel. And he came to Jesus by night. And Jesus began to tell him, how is it can you be a doctor of the law you don't understand these things? He said, well, how shall I be born again? Do I enter my mother's womb the second time? How do you do that, Nicodemus? <coughs> you have to excuse me tonight. 
Let me take me a pause and, and, and drink a little bit of water, please. So he says here, a man must be born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of flesh is flesh. Now, let's look at the biblical principle here. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That means that which came from out of your mother's womb. Where is our Adamic nature? According to the word of God, it's in our bodies. Our Adamic nature is in our body. Do we have a divine nature? According to the book of Peter, we have a divine nature. And the Bible says we must be a partaker of the divine nature. Where is the divine nature? It's in our spirit. But then what must partake? Your soul. Your soul, my soul, must partake of the divine nature. But what will happen when you and I partake of the divine nature? My soul would experience salvation. My mind will be renewed. My soul will experience salvation. My mind will be renewed. Two different scriptures. Now, it says, we must partake of the divine nature. Then if I'm not partaking of the divine nature, then what nature am I partaking of? It's no in-between. There's no, nobody have a neutral nature. I'll be partaking of the, of the Adamic nature, the nature we got from Adam. So watch this right here. If Satan is the god of this world, what gave Satan legal access to humanity? The Adamic nature, the sin nature, in the body. Okay, if Satan have access to the Adamic nature, which is in the body, do he have access to every born-again believer who still live in the body? Not really. The only way Satan does not have a legal right to a born-again believer who still have an Adamic nature is because the believer has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and now is partaking of the divine nature. If a man is partaking of the divine nature, that means his Adamic nature is dead to him. I didn't say his Adamic nature does not exist. I said his Adamic nature is dead to him. You cannot partake of both natures at the same time. It's impossible. But if I'm partaking of the Adamic nature, do Satan have a right to me? Absolutely. Because if I'm partaking of the Adamic nature, that means I just died to God. I just died to Christ. I didn't say Christ does not exist. I didn't say the, uh, the Father does not exist. I didn't say the Holy Spirit does not exist in me. I just died to him. How did I die to him? By partaking of the Adamic nature. Then what happened? I died to Christ. Well, how do I become alive in Christ? Repenting of the sin, repenting of yielding to my Adamic nature and giving Satan a legal right to me or demons a legal right to me. I repent of it and renounce it and ask God to forgive me. He said he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me uh, from all unrighteousness. What happened when I do that? 
That means uh, now I just uh, entered back into fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Through my repentance, what do repentance mean? It means to turn. Where did I turn from? I turned from my Adamic nature. And I just became again a partaker of the divine nature. Now I'm back in fellowship with him. And I broke fellowship with my Adamic nature. What is the Adamic nature? Galatians tells us in chapter 5. The works of the flesh. Now do demons have access to me through the Adamic nature? Yes. But if I'm, if I'm dead to the Adamic nature, how could a demon have access to me? Are, are you getting this? But the problem is, do the enemy stop harassing me because I have decided to die to the Adamic nature? Absolutely not. The devil harassed Jesus, which did not have an Adamic nature. The devil harassed uh, Paul. Do you think that uh, when Paul got stoned, stoned to death, stoned to let, be left dead, brother, do you think that it was just the people who you think influenced those people to stone Paul. It was demonic forces. Ladies and gentlemen, this must become a reality to us. Your enemy is not people. Your enemy is demon spirits that hate you. And the reason they hate you is because you're pressing towards uh, the will, the purpose, the heart, and the mind of God. You've made a decision that I'm going to sell out to the Lord. You made a decision. I'm going all the way for the Lord. Not for your spouse, not for your children, for the Lord. Not for your ministry, for the Lord. When a man or woman make a commitment to the Lord, it's on, baby. All kind of devils is going to fight you, harass you, try to manipulate you through people. Through people. He's going to try to touch your spouse, and touch your children, touch your finances, touch your health. He cried because to get you to turn from your fellowship, to break fellowship with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings who lives within your spirit. He's trying to get you and I to sin. To how would it sin? Missing the mark. What is sin? Breaking fellowship with him. Breaking union with him. And then I become united with something else. What? My damnic nature again. Now, once I yield to my damnic nature, then I can be influenced by the demonic force who have access to my damnic nature. Are we understanding? Let's look at the principle here, if you will. Are you familiar with generational spirits, generational curses, or, or hereditary spirits? And we kind of brought a little bit of this out last night. Uh, your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents uh, that were challenged with heart disease, uh, challenged with diabetes, uh, uh, challenged with migraine headaches, uh, uh, challenged with alcoholism, uh, uh, challenged with uh, divorce, uh, a challenge with uh, with lying, a challenge with anger, challenge with feuding, uh, uh, whatever. It's just in, it's just in your lineage. As folks back, you can remember, you, you, you can remember this thing has been in your lineage. Now, how, how, what is a hereditary spirit? 
What is what you call a generational curse? How, how can this thing pass through my lineage? Because of your body. Your body connects you to your daddy. Your body connects you to your granddaddy. Your body connects you to your great-granddaddy. Your body connects you to your great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy. You're still in this body, and the adamant nature is there. And so them spirits, um, knowing that um, they've been in this lineage for years, uh, and they going, even though you are born again, but this is the problem with born-again believers. They are born again, but we're ignorant. My people's destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, people who are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So here in, in, in your lineage, it could be idol worship in your lineage. And that's what has, when, you, when there's idol worship or any kind of thing, you, we, we, we now enter into a covenant relationship with the devil himself. They, many people don't know that. They don't understand that. And that thing is passing through your lineage. And it's wreaking havoc. And whatever that generation of curse is, as a result of one of your family members into the covenant with Satan, you don't know that. And it's the Spirit of God reveal it to you. And, and, you, and you think it's just a natural thing. Well, you know, my, my mama had cancer, my daddy had cancer, my daddy died with this, and my, da- my granddaddy died with this, this, so therefore. But these spirits, watch this right here. These spirits um, flows from generation to generation. And even, watch this right here. And even if you come into the knowledge of it and you break that thing, and you say, I forbid this thing to function here because of your knowledge. Of the cross. The cross gives you an eye. The cross, the blood that was shed on the cross, is our power to break generation of curse of hereditary spirits. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So you come into the knowledge of it. And you begin to battle that thing and break that thing and, and break that thing off of you and break that thing off of, uh, off your children and command that thing not to pass to your children and command that thing not to pass to your children's children. Now, you have come to the knowledge of it. So what will happen is this right here. The enemy's ultimate goal, since the devil knows that you are knowledgeable now and you understand this thing now and your children may grow up and understand this thing now, but something will eventually happen where the next generation or the generation after that uh, Use what happened, they end up getting slack in their understanding concerning God or the things of God. And the enemy will come back, come in and manipulate them, even though they have not seen it in three, four generations. But the, the devil is going to come and put that thing maybe on the third generation, on the fourth generation. And because the ignorance of spiritual warfare and ignorance of the cross and ignorance of the death of Christ, the ignorance of the burial of Christ, the ignorance of the resurrection, ascension, and throne of Christ, and because they're ignorant of that, then the enemy begins to put that thing on them, and out of their own mouths they begin to say, I have cancer. Out of their own mouths and what they just did, they just came in agreement once again with the spirit that was broken. Now they just now reestablish a covenant with that thing ignorantly. And now that thing starts gaining momentum to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation and the next generation because of the people's ignorance. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. All we got to do is look at, look at the spirituality of the church today compared to the spirituality in the first century church. The enemy is a master manipulator to get us sidetracked. We got more knowledge now but less power than the first century church. We got people that can quote scripture, but, but there's no reverence to fear of God. And I was sharing something uh, 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 with someone uh, 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 a couple of days ago, and I shared some with some, someone this morning 
as we begin to look at what salvation really means, ladies and gentlemen, when we look at a biblical pattern of salvation, what do salvation really mean? Then I guarantee you we have the questions we really say, the majority of people we know. The stuff that we see goes on, we have to question salvation. Oh, I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm not talking about not sin, uh, uh, sinning, making a mistake. I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people practicing sin, and there's absolutely no conviction by the Spirit of the living God. How many people have had a genuine experience, a genuine experience of salvation? I'm not talking about you in a church service and the, and the message brought conviction. All of those that want to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ come to the altar right now. You come to the altar and then you, you do a confession. That was a confession. That's not an encounter. Very few people, I want to say very few people, I don't know. But a lot of that, people say that with their mouth. And go back and living the same way. Don't you think something is wrong with that? But the saddest thing about it is that people feel comfortable. You know why they feel comfortable around us? Because we ain't got nothing. We don't have anything. We have absolutely nothing. Well, you know, I don't want to run nobody off. You don't run nobody off. All you got to do when this thing is a reality to you. And Jesus real to you, and you are delivered from rejection, fear, reject, self-rejection, you want somebody to like you, and more concerned about them liking you than them concerned, being concerned about them liking Jesus? Are you, are you getting this? Let's look at something here, if you will. Let's see how this thing works. Let's break it down. I believe a lot of us are going to be in, a rude, uh, in for a rude awakening when Jesus comes back. There's such a, a a manipulation that concerns me, and I see it all around. And you think about it, ladies and gentlemen. I, I put a question. I put a question to uh, one of my spiritual sons today, and. Uh, and I put a question before him about an assignment that he missed. I asked him, how did he miss it? And and he's getting ready <clears throat> to give me some kind of excuse. And uh, I think I stopped him. I said, you still don't understand what I'm saying. Do you value spiritual things? more than you do natural things. And trust me, the majority, I won't say the majority, but many, many of us believers do not value spiritual things. What you value, you're going to be conscious of. What you value, you're not going to forget. How many, when it was the last time you forgot to eat? How many have ever bought something that you want to eat 
uh, uh, tomorrow. Just say you bought something that, just say if you, you like uh, butter pecan ice cream, that's one of my favorite, Hagenauts. I like the parlor one more than the one at the store these days. Just say, okay, <clears throat> tomorrow, as I come home from church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into this. Or tomorrow when I come home from work, I'm going to dig into this right here. You know you bought it. You got it there. Do you think you're going to forget that when you come home tomorrow? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's something you value. That's something you bought, and you you're in a spirit of expectancy. What about spiritual things? Do you value spiritual things like that? Something, and I share with him. In order for you to miss it, you had to get, you had to be distracted by something that was valuable to you, more valuable to you than executing the will of God. We make it difficult. It's not difficult. And the reason we, we, is we make it difficult, we don't have nobody to challenge us like this in our lives, to help us to think, to help us to think. But this scripture I'm getting ready to read, this is where a, a, a lot of us is. But I want you to listen to this, if you will. And God gave me something that I was sharing this scripture with him. God showed me something I never seen before. And I want to share it with you. We've got to understand how the forces of darkness operate. As long as we're in this world and we're in these bodies that we live in, we're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare. We've got to understand how to fight. Let's look at this, if you will. The book of John, chapter 5. I want you to listen to this very attentively, if you will. The book of John, chapter 5. Now, before I read this, I put a question before him, before I read this. I want to ask you the same question that I asked him before I read John 5 here. I want everybody to listen to me. If every person in the world was blind, and you're the only one that was able to see, let me ask you this question. Would you have went to work today to dress the way you dressed? If everybody was blind, would you have spent as much as time as you did this morning fixing your hair? If everybody was blind and you was the only ones able to see, would you be even, would you get your car washed every week? Or would you ever get it washed? If everybody was blind, would you have to put your clothes in the cleaners and you would have you would have went to work with your clothes pressed? If everybody was blind. If everybody was blind, would you get your nails done every week? This is something to think about, isn't it? If everybody was blind. Would your house, would you get your house clean every week? Or we have a person that comes up and clean the house every week. But would you get your house clean? Would you go to bed? Would you go to bed with the dishes clean? If everybody was blind. What am I saying? The majority of us is vain people. 
We live in a state of vanity. And the majority of us Christians, we don't live as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We live unto people. We live to impress people. Look at this scripture here, if you will. I want you to really, really, I don't want you to hear this, but I want you to think about it. I want you to meditate on it. Why do you want to become wealthy? Why do you want your house paid off? Why do you want a new car? Why do you want the kind of car that you have? If everybody was blind, do you think you'd go after the kind of car that you, your dream car? Just think about it. Answer that as unto the Lord Jesus Christ, not me. But listen to the book of John, chapter 5. Read out of the Amplified Version, if you will. How is it possible for you to believe? How can you learn to believe? Now, notice now what the Scripture says. How is it possible? How is it possible? How is it possible for you to believe? How can you learn to believe? You who are content to seek and receive praise and honor and glory from one another, and yet do not seek the praise and honor and glory which comes from him who alone is God, who alone who created you, who alone has uh, chosen your destiny for you, how can you believe? He says, He says, how is it possible? And how can you learn to believe? Are you understanding what he's saying? He said, you who seek glory, or seek praise and honor and glory from one another, he said, it is an impossibility for you to believe in me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you see how difficult we make the scripture? You, you, you probably see why we struggle and see why we're not experiencing God. We're not encountering God. Because think about it. If, if somebody came to your face straight up and said, you don't believe in God, you wouldn't want to hurt him. Who are you to judge me? You don't know me. And this is what you're really going to say. You don't know my heart. God know my heart. Then if there was a person in the Word said, no, I don't know your heart. God know your heart, and you don't know your heart. Because the Bible says your heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who shall know it? Who can know it? That means you can't even know it. The Holy Ghost know it. God knows it. But notice what he says to him. He says, so, 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 so. You got to be real with yourself. All of us got to be real. Am I, am I a person? Do I live for the praises of men? If you're a worship leader, do you worship to get accolades of men? Do you worship? Do you pray and go to prayer meetings to pray for somebody to say you're dynamite, you're also you're anointed. Can you see the entrapment of the devil? Can you see where a lot of people, we got unbelieving believers in the church that we are, we are so damaged, and, and a lot of this damage 
came from before we became Christian. We never got healed. You received Jesus, and what people understand, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and never get healed. And the majority of people don't get healed. We suffer from insecurity. We suffer from rejection. And it's not a person alive on the face of the earth that have not experienced rejection. And probably not challenged with rejection today. But you got Jesus. So when we struggle with this stuff, from, we, we live for the accolades of men because we are not satisfied with God. We are not satisfied with Jesus. Because the majority of people that are not satisfied with Jesus, they have him but don't know him. And that's why we seek praises of men. He said, how can you believe? He said, how can you even learn to believe? So if I'm, if, 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 if I'm uh, 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 in this thing for the praises, the honor, and the glory of men, ladies and gentlemen, according to the word of God, we just read that to you, you don't believe in Jesus. You can't even believe in Jesus. It's impossible for you to believe in Jesus. Impossible. You just, then, then, then what is this? Why do I receive you? You're using him. I was sharing this with someone. I said, I shared with them, I, I, I said, you being in relationship with me, you have used being in relationship with me to draw people to you. Are you seeing this manipulation? How many of you is close to your pastor? But you're using your relationship with your pastor to satisfy your insecurities. To make people think you important. Your relationship with your pastor, if your relationship with your pastor make you feel important, then you ain't nobody. You are absolutely nobody. Because no human being, no human being should have, the, uh, uh, should make you feel like you're important. No human being. The only person that should make you feel like you're somebody is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And if he don't, it's because you don't know him. He's not real. He's not real. And, and when I begin to look around, and that's what I have had a lot, people uh, 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 manipulate other people by being in relationship with me. People think they're spiritual. And they're the most deadliest people. And I shared this with them. I said, do you not understand? When people begin to admire you because you're in relationship with me, do you not understand that you just got your reward? Do you not understand that your prophetic word could never come to pass in your life because um, you got your reward? You got your promise. Your promise is not the prophetic word, but your promise is a feel good. Your promise is somebody uh, exalting you and building you and, and feel uh, special by being around you because you're in relation with me. Who in the world is E.J. McKenzie? He didn't die for the sins of the world. He was born in sin and shaping in iniquity. My God, what's wrong with us people? What has happened to us? Paul even talks about it in the word of God as a sin. I'm of Apollos. I'm a Cephas. I'm a Paul. Who is us but ministers of the gospel? God, is one, one of us water, the other uh, 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 soul? And, but only God gives the increase. But that is not, we don't want God. We are not satisfied with God. 
Can't you see how demonic this is? It is satanic and it's demonic. And who are you in relationship with you to rebuke you when you think like that and talk like that? When people came to make, when the people came to make Jesus king, what did he do? He 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 ran. When they wanted to make Paul a god, he said, "What are you doing? What's wrong with you? I'm a mere man like you. Worship God and God only." Do we have any men and women of God that really have a relationship with God and they live for the glory of God and don't live for the glory? The praise, honor, and glory of men. So, Revelation, you don't believe in Jesus. You do not believe in Jesus because the Bible just said it is impossible to believe in Jesus. But you say you have him, but don't believe in him. You have him, but you value, you value the opinions of men. You value the praise of men. You value the glory of men. Then Jesus, then God, the Father, Jesus who died on Calvary Cross for the remission of your sin. No human being ever died for you. Can't do nothing for you. Are you getting this, ladies and gentlemen? I was sharing the principle in our new members class uh, with uh, our new members because a lot of people are stuck on this giving thing. And they're so, I mean, it's, it's just amazing how we stuck. But the, your giving or lack of giving really exposes you. But I was sharing the principle with them. I said, God gives everybody an Abraham. Every, every man, woman, boy, and girl that is saved, God gives you an Abraham. God says in the word of the Lord, he said, I will bless those that bless Abraham, and I will curse those that curse Abraham. Everybody has an Abraham to every family. Uh, is 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 the is, is the father of that household, the husband, or the parents, to the children. He says, honor your father and your mother that you may live long on the earth. And who is your Abraham? Your pastor is your Abraham. And notice the scripture says, he says, God says, I will bless those that bless Abraham. He didn't say Abraham won't bless those that bless him. God said, I will bless those that will bless Abraham. So you don't have to put your faith in Abraham. You put your faith in me. I'm going to give you Abraham. So when you bless Abraham, I'm going to turn around and bless you for blessing Abraham. Because I chose Abraham for your life. So it says, I chose Abraham for your life. And so if you give to Abraham, I, God, God is going to bless you for blessing the Abraham that I put in your life. Abraham is not going to bless you. God is going to bless you for blessing Abraham. So don't get caught up over Abraham. Don't make Abraham an idol. I am God. So, but if you bless Abraham, I will bless you. If you curse Abraham, I will curse you. And a lot of you people got some stuff just, just, just plaguing your life because you're putting your mouth on your pastor. Just put in your mouth, put in your mouth, put in your mouth. On your pastor. With God's our bless. Abraham is not going to bless you. No human being has the power to bless you. But but human beings can be the agent or the instrument or the channel 
a blessing you. God will use them to bless you. God will use them to speak a blessing over your life. But they must be up under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. They must be here from heaven, then speak what heaven is saying, and take it to you. And then when they speak it, then God will do it. So you don't get caught up of a man. You don't get caught up of a woman. How can you believe? When you seek praise, glory, and honor. And you go that way, praise, honor, and glory from one another. Are y'all hearing the Holy Spirit tonight? It's a satanic manipulation. Now, do Satan know that scripture? Absolutely. So what is ultimate goal? To manipulate you, to live for the praise of men. But it starts. It starts, ladies and gentlemen, it starts many times before the mother is con- uh, the, uh, the mother conceive a child. And this is a spirit of rejection. This is one of the things I'm going to deal with in my household tonight, bringing my family together. We'll sit down and dialogue. As I begin to study this thing, I see how I see the rejection on my father. I saw rejection on my mother, which then rejection come down to my to to the children. We look at the symptoms of it, and most likely I have uh, uh, a release rejection upon my children ignorantly. So we getting ready to go through this thing. Listen, I'm gonna, we're going to share dialogue, and 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 so God can heal us. Set us free so we don't be, be manipulated by the spirit of rejection. Because I don't want my children, when they get married, to to uh, receive rejection from Kathy and myself and then reject their husbands and reject their children. And they don't even know that they're doing it because they receive a spirit of rejection from their parents, which the parents got it from their parents. And my parents got it from their parents. And my parents' parents got it from their parents. And now Satan is coming to manipulate and scoff rejected people. They look for, they look for approval. They look for approval. They look for acceptance. And 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 children need it and look for it from their parents. And so they they we 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 enter into a state of striving. So we an achievement, achievement, overachieving. If if I if I could just get good grades, my 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 daddy gonna love me. If I get good grades, my mama gonna be pleased. And have that spirit of rejection when the child gonna see you you upset. Then when the child gonna oh praise God, you taking a report card to the job. Do you see the standard that you're establishing? Do you see you're telling the child you are no good if you get a C? That's a spirit of rejection. We do it ignorantly. We don't realize we're doing it. You know why you do it? Because it's what your parents did to you. And you really and you don't really don't care about your children. You you bring in that report card to your people on your job to for them to praise you for what a good job that you're doing with your children. It ain't about the children, it's about you. This thing is deadly, isn't it? Well, ladies and gentlemen, seeing that my time is up. And I really didn't get to the scripture, other scriptures I want to get to tonight, but that's the way it flows. Because it is not about the scriptures, it's about what the Spirit of God is speaking and articulating to us so we can get healed. We got Jesus living on the inside of us, ladies and gentlemen. But we got an Adamic nature and we have a divine nature. Which one are you going to partake of? Romans chapter 6, I think around about 14 to 16 says, Know you not to whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his servant you are, rather sin unto death, obedience unto righteousness. So therefore let us know. You still have the power to yield to sin, and you have the power to yield to righteousness. It's a choice. 
The reason you yield, you have the power to yield to sin, because sin is in our Adamic nature, but it is dead. The reason it's dead because we're connected to God. But the moment I yield to the sin, I disconnect myself from the Lord Jesus Christ, and now I'm connected to my Adamic nature, and now the demonic forces can manipulate me. Once I repent, that means I turn. I turned from that back to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. As long as you and I live on the earth and, and living in these bodies, the only way you're going to live in the earth is have one of these bodies. When you don't have one of these bodies, you live in two, uh, uh, one or two other realms, heaven or hell, one of the two. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host. We pray that the Spirit of God has ministered to you to cause you to think, to make adjustment. You've got to fight to the fight of faith. Jesus really is our victor, our conquering overcomer. The only way that you and I is going to experience the victory is not by you fasting and not by you praying. It's by you making a quality decision that you're going to abandon yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to yield to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to allow him to become your Lord, your master, your king. That's the only way we're going to be able to do it. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us. The Holy Spirit is an agent in the earth to help us to commit, to submit, to yield, to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as you have crutches in your life uh, that you can hide behind, you can hide behind, you feel satisfied. You feel satisfied because nobody's able to see you and you're not exposed by yielding to the crutches that's making you that way. And people think that you are spiritual. Don't you want to be spiritual instead of people thinking you're spiritual? Don't you want, want to live for the praise of God and not the praise of men? Don't you want to live for the honor of God and not the honor of men? Then we got to believe in the one who we receive. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. J. McKenzie, with the Master Key. Let the rest of your night be blessed. I pray that your sleep will be sweet. Your dreams will be induced by the Spirit of the living God. Once again, join with me tomorrow evening at 1 p.m., on the masticate dose I can on your lunch break, get with us. We'll be sharing in the areas of relationship. Love you, appreciate you. And pray that your midweek service this week will be blessed, anointed, and full of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. <laughs>